Welcome. I am Phoenix Vincent, and today I wanted to talk about grief and how the brain functions. And so first, I wanted to talk about how our brain likes to categorize things. Think of our brain like a master organizer, someone who loves to just take things and put them into categories, into boxes. I call them brain boxes because our, our brain is constantly taking our experiences and our emotional response and saying, which box does this go in? And unfortunately, it's not a conscious act. And I say unfortunately because if we were conscious about it, we might do things that were a little more empowering. Sometimes our brain goes, I've noticed that this person, my human, is feeling this emotion. There was a time way back when when they felt that same emotion. Let's put it in the same box. But the problem is, is when it comes to severe things like trauma or grief or any type of intense emotional experience, our brain goes, oh, this is similar, even if it's something much smaller and it puts it into the same box. Well, then what happens when we are evaluating the experience and deciding how we want to act or feel we get the whole box. We don't just get the one thing. And so we get a much more intense reaction. That's why people will use the word, I've been triggered. It's honestly because they just went to a brain box and a whole bunch of other crap in it. Instead of just taking the experience as is, our default is to take the whole box and, and experience everything all over again, which is not very efficient in my, in my point of view, in my opinion. And so that's why I like to teach people some skills. But before I talk about that, I also want to talk about grief. Grief is a very, very strange thing. And I personally studied a lot about it because I had to experience it when my mom passed away about seven years ago. And after she passed away, it was very sudden. It was very shocking. It was nothing we were prepared for. She was in good health and just had a massive heart attack while she was on a hike. So it's very sudden. I have eight siblings. So it was a lot of us feeling a lot of things. And I remember everyone had their advice and their commentary on grief and on losing a mother. And people told me one of two things. They said, they either said, it gets better with time, or they said, it never gets easier. And I thought that was a little odd because those two things actually are very contradictory. Yeah, they can kind of go together, but for the most part, those two things don't make sense together. And so I made a conscious choice. I said, I'm not interested in experiencing something that will always be equally hard. That doesn't seem like living to me. So I chose that it would get easier with time, and it did. Now, that's I make it sound like it was a simple choice. It wasn't. It wasn't, it took a lot of patience and it took a lot of digging deep and it took a lot of faith and it took a lot of study and learning and inner reflection and it took time. And after several years, it took several years before I could look forward to Christmas again. And once I did, that was a very magical and healing moment for me. But it's because of a choice. Whenever we have a situation in life, we do have a choice. Sometimes people want to imply that there is no choice, that it just happens and you have to deal with it. But that, that's an excuse. The reality is almost everything is neutral until we give it meaning. Things happen. 
but what do we make it mean? And that's that's what'll make the difference on whether or not something gets easier or harder or stays the same is the meaning we give it. There's a wonderful quote when it comes to grief that I came across when I was dealing with a grief over my mom. And it's this old man who, he wrote a letter about grief and people dying. He called himself an old man. And he doesn't have a name, at least in the sources that I found. And I wanted to just read that because to me, this explains grief the very best of anything. And especially if we can really believe that this is how it is, because I know grief varies from person to person. I'm not going to pretend that it's the same for everyone and it's the same depending on who you've lost. But I do believe that this principle can apply to everyone. He says, as for grief, you'll find it comes in waves. When the ship is first wrecked, you're drowning with wreckage all around you. Everything floating around you reminds you of the beauty and the magnificence of the ship that was and is no more. And all you can do is float. You find some piece of the wreckage and you hang on for a while. Maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a happy memory or a photograph. Maybe it's a person who is also floating. For a while, all you can do is float and stay alive. In the beginning, the waves are 100 feet tall and crash over you without mercy. They come 10 seconds apart and don't even give you time to catch your breath. All you can do is hang on and float. After a while, maybe weeks, maybe months, you'll find the waves are still 100 feet tall, but they come further apart. When they come, they still crash all over you and wipe you out. But in between, you can breathe, you can function. You never know what's going to trigger the grief. It might be a song, a picture, a street intersection, a smell of a cup of coffee. It can be just about anything, and the waves come crashing, but in between waves, there is life. Somewhere down the line, and it's different for everybody, you will find that the waves are only 80 feet tall or 50 feet tall. And while they still come, they come further apart. You can see them coming, an anniversary, a birthday, or Christmas, or landing at O'Hare. You can see it coming for the most part and prepare yourself. And when it washes over you, you know that somehow you will again come out on the other side. Soaking wet, sputtering, still hanging on to some tiny piece of the wreckage. But you'll come out. Take it from an old guy. The waves never stop coming and somehow you don't really want them to. But you learn that you'll survive them. And other waves will come and you'll survive them too. If you're lucky, you'll have lots of scars from lots of loves and lots of shipwrecks. I just think it's beautiful because that is what healing is. It's recognizing that it doesn't all come in one shot, that it's simple and it's slow. And eventually you have this inner confidence that I will make it through it. That's what healing is. There's a confidence that we can sit in our emotions and feel them, but they don't take us out. They don't ruin us. They don't, it's not the same as the first day. It continually gets better. So how does this relate to brain boxes? (laughs) I recently... I have, a, I have a mother's helper slash personal assistant that works for me, and she's worked for me for almost two years, and she's been amazing. And um, unfortunately, not everyone has a goal to be a mother's helper for their whole life. She has her own career goals, and she was offered a job in the, in the industry that she's always wanted to work in and gave me her two weeks notice. And I got really, really sad. And I, I, for days, I was like, why do I feel so sad? And then I realized that I know, I know why I was sad. It was because this put me into the brain box of grief. 
So all of the sudden, I felt sadness over losing my mom again, even though this was not that. But that's the brain box. That's the box that my brain picked, said, oh, you're feeling sad because someone that you care about and someone that is has been a help to you and a support to you is leaving. Oh, that must go in the box with mom. And so once I realized that, I was able to learn a very important, well, I was able to practice what I, what I preach and what I already know to be true. I was able to stop and say to my brain, this is not that. This is not that. And that is the biggest principle I want to give today is that when we find ourselves being triggered to be able to stop and go, which brain box did I just pull out? And then just consciously saying over and over, this is not that. This is not that. She's not dying. She's not my mother. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many beautiful things, and there's other meaning I can attach to this. I can be grateful for her that she's following her passion. I can be grateful that she's been with us and has been such a great support and such a great influence on my family for the time that she's been here. So I just share that because I think that as we are coming to year two of COVID, we've already completed a full year of this craziness. It's easy to start feeling easily triggered. It's easy to have a lot of things that have built up and that our brain's just starting to pull out all kinds of boxes. And our brain might have even created a new box called COVID. <laughs> and so then anytime we feel trapped or fearful, we pull out the COVID box, but we're not serving ourselves and our mental health and we're not serving those around us. If we stack everything together and react in one giant reaction, that's not, that's not going to serve the world. That's not going to serve our purpose. So the challenge is to move forward and to say, how can I separate out things? How can I recognize and be grateful that my brain is working so hard to keep me safe and to keep me happy, but also to be able to say, hey, this isn't that. And I can I can see this for what it is and not for a big, huge stack of other things. So that is my message for this week. I hope that this was helpful to someone. And I'm really grateful for those who have reached out and given me um, gratitude and kindness for my other recordings. And for those who show up and watch, I really do want to send you love and gratitude and hope that your coming week is beautiful and that you can be able to experience life in its fullness. So have a wonderful week and I love you. Talk soon. Mm -hmm.